Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that seeks revenge for the mistreated, the maligned, the misunderstood movies of cinema's long and lonesome highway. Unless it was shit. <laughs> Rob, and here's James. Hello. <laughs> <are> you, man. <laughs> Ooh, sweary Rob. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Uh, straight off the bat. Obviously that will be uh, bleeped in uh, post-production uh, industrial light and magic uh, shenanigans <laughs> later on. <laughs> Can you imagine getting an ILM to do a sensibly? <laughs> awesome. We've been we've been away that long that I thought you'd de- uh, developed sort of, sort of a new hard bitten image. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely, there is no sight of that whatsoever. How are you, man? Are you okay? I'm good. I'm good. Speaking of being away for so long, they've actually arrested somebody in connection to Tupac's murder. Been You've away not been away long. since 1997. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, they have, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, bottom line, probably don't go on podcasts uh, bragging about your involvement in a murder. But that's that's for another podcast. That's entirely. for the courts to decide. I love it. Since when did FYR become a true crime podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are down uh, our brother Simon tonight, so big love to you, man. Um, but we are going to press on valiantly uh, in Missing Man Formation. Um, and so, James, what have you been watching, man? Oh, all sorts, mate. So we're recording this in the middle of October, so I'm watching all sorts of spooky stuff, uh, which brought me to The Fall of the House of Usher. Now, Ooh. it turns out that this isn't a docuseries about Atlanta-based R&B sensation Usher Raymond, but rather Mike Flanagan's screed against rampant capitalism and the super-rich through the prism of Poe and Rob, that's Edgar Allan as opposed to Cameron. <laughs> uh, what the fall of the House of Usher lacks in overall scares, it more than makes up for in Flanagan's gleeful evisceration in every way imaginable of this titular clan of arseholes. I mean, there's no other word for them, really. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it, particularly Bruce Greenwood's central turn. But come on, Mike, it's time to make a movie again now. You've been doing this TV thing for too long. You've not made a movie since 2018. Let's crack on. He's moving Jeez. over to he's moving over to Amazon. So um, I'm hoping that you know a TV show and then a movie and then a TV show and then a movie because he's when it comes to horror he's genuinely one of the best. He could be like James Wan, you know, he could be the king of horror if he wanted to be mm. um, on the big screen, not just on the small screen. He's cornered that market now. Now it's time to uh, move back onto the big screen stuff as well because he's an incredibly talented writer and director. Uh, 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 yeah, I, this is everywhere at the minute. Everyone's talking about this. Also, in terms of how hard bitten it is as well. Apparently, it's heavy. You know, like um, uh, thematically uh, and content-wise, pretty heavy going. Yeah, it's probably the most um, unsympathetic thing that he's made. Actually, he usually manages to get like sorrow, weave sorrow and sympathy into his characters, but this lot are just the worst. <laughs> 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 so it's uh yeah i enjoyed it i whipped through it in like a week so it's not like i can complain too much it's very top tier television i don't think it's as good as uh midnight mass the show that he did a few years ago for netflix yeah. um but yeah it was very good very entertaining bruce greenwood well good what a, what a guy captain awesome. pike himself yeah yeah D- what a dude yes. um 
Awesome. Anything else? Anything else that's caught your fancy and attention? Yes, I wanted to shout out something that probably won't be on the big screen um, by the time this episode comes out, but something that I really enjoyed. Now, I want to make sure... Gareth Edwards, I believe it is. Gareth, I always get him and Gareth Evans mixed up. You know the raid mm-hmm. dude. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and I think it's Gareth Edwards. So, if it's if I've mixed them up again, apologies. So, uh, Gareth Edwards has somehow made the most visually spectacular blockbuster of the year with less than half the budget of your average superhero movie. And for that alone, I feel like he should be celebrated. Uh, the creator is a hugely ambitious slice of original sci-fi that from a visual standpoint at least, calls to mind the work of big-budget filmmakers like Ridley Scott and James Cameron. It isn't perfect. The politics and messaging of the trope-heavy screenplay are admittedly a tad muddled. Uh, the broad-stroke nature of the characterization seemingly at odds with the painstaking detail uh, that's gone into the world-building. However, apparent as these issues may be, for me, they are easily forgivable given how easy it is uh, to be swept up in the grandiose scale of the world that Edwards has created. Uh, The film frequently delivers large-scale action set pieces that will have the hairs on the back of your neck standing up and it carries, as it carries you along on its exhilarating exploration of how we interact with AI, the fog of war and coexistence. I mean, whether the creator does well at the box office or not, I mean, from what I've seen, it probably won't, is almost immaterial. What every studio head should be looking at with this $86 million movie and asking themselves is, why does this look and feel more real and just generally look better than the multiple two to $300 million temples we've been putting out over the last five years? Honestly, from a visual standpoint, I think it's an incredible achievement. I don't know how he's done it on that budget. Amazing, amen, brother. Um, I think like when so on the on our WhatsApp group, we were talking about like that you've been to see this movie. Yeah. And then I remember you mentioning eighty six million, and and like just from the trailer, I mean, I'd be like, surely that's just what the trailer cost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Never surreal. mind. Yeah. 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 I was just unbelievable budget to to visual like what you get on the screen exactly out it's all of all the budget is on the screen basically i mean the cast isn't as star-studded john david washington is the is the lead who doesn't i, I imagine doesn't pull down huge salaries at this stage in his career um and the rest is all you know like character actors who you've seen here and there alice and Janney and and whatnot um so yeah he's been able to put all that but the visuals were just phenomenal absolutely mm. phenomenal and I was like, well, why why did Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny look as bad as that, despite costing three times as much? I know some of that is down to COVID delays and, and whatnot. But yeah. Even yeah. then that's a two hundred million dollar movie and it doesn't it can't it can't lace the creator's boots in terms of visuals really? at all. Yeah. Wow. So wow. so yeah, I would highly recommend that. I know we tend to overrate craft more than story sometimes because like i almost go in it's like well you know wow me visually rather i know basically what the nuts and bolts of this story are going to be so you know wow me visually and there was genuinely some sci-fi stuff in this that i was like i've never seen that before that's that's really genuinely is quite rare it is rare that um that 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 you can get that and go right i've never seen that before and that's that's a challenge yeah uh for present day filmmakers but also you know like 
it is important to try and stand up and and and, and stand out. Absolutely, you know, yeah. and and doing that in the current, you know, um, smorgasbord of stuff that we've got coming out year on year. And again, I hate to say it, but we are largely looking at the output of superhero stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, that you know forms a lot of these tentpole releases visually there's just nothing that sort of inspires anymore i suppose no. so i am really looking forward to seeing this and i will be trying to catch it in um in the cinema yeah absolutely it'd be it'd be well worth the trip it's a 12 as well so you could possibly take the older kids I think well the younger I one might get the younger one uh, he might get bored after, well <laughs> he might do actually that's yeah. that's a risk because um yeah, after tonight's film offering in in the Parker household, uh, he he's tough. He can, the six year old he can handle. Yeah, there's nothing too upsetting in it. It's more just you know people talking and stuff like that. I find a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, so tonight we watched Temple of Doom in right. our house. Can um, I? Can I? The amount of times you've come on this podcast saying we have watched Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it uh, must be uh, someone. I'll have to go through all the episodes. Oh, we might have to. Yeah, I yeah. think we might have hit ten. Yeah, tonight we've fired up Temple of Doom. <laughs> so this is the first time a six-year-old has sat and watched it. Yeah, uh, and I kept saying to him, like, "Look, do you want me to fast forward?" Uh, and he was like, "No, don't, don't." <laughs> like, and then so, like, obviously, like the Dom Dom Shimai, Dom Dom Shimai, you know, all this kind of stuff. He was like. He's burning! Woo! You know, he loved it. He absolutely loved it all. It was dreadful. Um, loved all of that stuff. Um, the horrible stuff, you know, when Indy's being held down and he's got, like, stuff being poured into his mouth. Yeah. Out of an awful, putrid skull. No, he loved all that. Absolutely loved it. Um, I said, is any of this scary to you? And he went, nope. Um, so... Yeah, it was great. Even like the sick skins with pubic rugs in the background. Because, um, of course, it was on, um, we watched it on Disney, so it was glittering 4K. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, so, yeah, no, he absolutely loved it. Um, and then I, I said, like, do you want to watch another? And he, and, sorry, he said at the end, another, another, another now. So, um, I fresh off our recent episode, I clicked on Crystal Skull. And the first thing he went was like, He's old. <laughs> turn it off. I said, turn it off. I wanted to be young. <laughs> so we went to Raiders and he absolutely oh, swamped on it yeah. until uh, until it was time to record. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. I mean, he's really not going to like Dial of Destiny if he thinks he's old in Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they have a very good point. Uh, was there anything else you want to shout about? or? Uh... No, no, not at all. I mean, um, no, no. That's everything, I think, Rob. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so we're going through a big uh, mutant mayhem phase because it's now on Prime, uh, as in it's uh, you can purchase it on, on uh, Prime, right, yeah. which we did do. Um, it, it's still a lot of fun, even on six viewings. I think I'm on now. Wow. Still fun. Um, my son got a batch of the toys for his birthday. Oof. Uh, wowee. I don't know who was happier, him or me. Um, and uh, at night time, my wife has been watching... Um, uh, married at first sight. Um, oh, Australia or UK? I think it's the UK. Um, it's just absolutely awful, isn't it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, during just, the the pandemic, uh, uh, we watched the Australian one because everyone uh, was raving about it, and 
from a pure drama stand, I mean, it was terrible, obviously, but from a pure drama standpoint, there was like fights kicking off, and there was there was affairs <laughs> going on within the married couples and stuff really? like that. Really, so oh it sort word. of delivered on the drama front. And got hey, a... When did they have affairs? Oh, they were because they were all staying. In, they do it slightly. Uh, uh, I don't want to deeper. Uh, 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 they were like um, they have these meetups, and they were like clearly getting close with some of the other spouses, and then they're all in like. <sighs> Having like pretend marriages in these uh, in this like apartment building that they all live in at the same time, and they were sneaking right. off to illicitly meet with I, other right. couples. So I guess we've not got to this yet because um, our guys, our guys, they'll never be my guys. Uh, uh, that they've just, all I've watched is just a string of ultra cringe weddings. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So oh, I, I guess way what... better after the weddings. Oh no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I. I mean, what we've seen already is just. It's like, it's like moving image putrefaction. What I've seen is just next level awful. Um, and a, a cavalcade of some of the most awful people you will ever see in your life. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's. It's obviously sending to me, <laughs> sending me to sleep so angry, because I try and read. I try and read something, and I'm reading it, and then I just like hear someone in the background like, "If I'm not the center of his world, then you know this marriage ain't gonna last." <laughs> like, oh, I just can't help getting like fizzing with anger. Um, anyway, but now um, you're hooked, and you have to see. I am absolutely not. I, I look. I, I would know if I was hooked, actually, because and I'd be big enough to admit it as well. Like I remember the moment um, when neighbours snagged me massively. Yeah. Like right, I'm in. I'm all in now. Um, this uh, definitely hasn't done it. I tell you what has though um, is uh, what I've just watched. With, uh, sorry, the first season of which I've just watched is Yellowstone. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. Um, very very enjoyable cowboy shenanigans. Oh yeah. Um, I, my, I, I only have, I mean, it's like, it's some of the most lush uh, production you will find anywhere. It's, I mean, it's stunning to look at. Um, and um, I think largely very well written. Part of, the, part of what I'm struggling, to, struggling with at the minute at the end of season one, I've just watched the two-part finale a couple of nights ago, um, is that... Um, Usually, I would imagine when you you know you're posing a story, you have to have likable qualities in some people, <laughs> and there aren't a great deal at the moment. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> Just shocking people doing shocking things to yeah. each other. But that that might change. I I don't know. But at the minute, um, obviously, it's very very good. But I've I've actually had to have a couple of nights break from it because it's just. Do not want to watch those shockers go out against each other? <laughs> I saw someone wills, you know. describe it as the Sopranos and Stetsons, basically. Which... <laughs> it is. It definitely, definitely is. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, it's 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 the kind of television that, like, when we were younger, it, I mean, like the idea of this just on this scale, yeah, and this well made is just bananas i know there's four um, of them coming out every single week that are made with the same level of production yeah, value and just just amazing i mean you'll just get lost in the shuffle yeah, yeah. We're, we're big yellowstone fans to be honest we've uh we started it at the end of last year i think and we're we're up to date we're waiting for the new season to come out and i would mm. say that the first three seasons are the best by some right. distance um and then uh, what what tends to happen with long running series is you introduce so many characters, 
and then we're off like spending time with some of these characters who just frankly aren't that interesting. Yeah. Um, and not enough people are getting murdered and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of murder. Yeah, in yeah. These. yeah. There that is... does tail off, but not in the first three seasons. I don't... <laughs> the amount of death is is astonishing. Well, it's the Wild West, isn't it? Well, apparently so. Um, We're protecting our way of life. uh, Our land uh, for my family. Um, Yeah, obviously. I mean, just uh, just crack on, chaps, you know. Um, I would say Cole Hauser in season one, from what I've seen, is an absolute highlight. Oh, yeah, he's good. I love him. He's good. He is really good. I I think he's, he's, for me, uh, I find him more compelling, dangerously compelling than any other character at the moment. I think he's absolutely amazing. Um, so I'm very interested to see what happens next. Um, uh, the only thing that's been missing from this season so far is uh, considering the um, location and wilderness has been a surprise uh, appearance from the big brown machine. Uh, but don't worry, listeners. We've got a scheduled appearance right here. Now's the time for Bigfoot Corner. So, James, the the Bigfoot world has been... Simon's not here to help me. (laughs) The Bigfoot world has been agog this past week. And our social media accounts have been all of a tizzy. Oh, yeah, can I just thank everybody who keeps tagging me personally (laughs) into Bigfoot evidence? It really is the highlight of uh, of my Twitter feed, so yeah, please keep that up. <laughs> so obviously, we're talking about this revelatory footage uh, that's going round as the Colorado Bigfoot footage. Um, James, I mean, because it's on your feed so readily, I'm assuming you've seen it. Yeah, well, I've seen it because I was tagged in it by a number of listeners of this podcast, and then my own wife tagged me in it as well. <laughs> Mrs. Stewart, we love you. Uh, yes. And thank you. Uh, well, I'd like to know also, uh, as an aside, I'd love to know what Mrs. Stewart made of this. But, um, James, what did you make of it? Well, it got debunked pretty quickly. So apparently... Oh, did this, it? Yes. So there was a, there was a uh, you know, on Twitter, I'm never going to call it X. It's always Twitter. Yeah, it's always Twitter. Um, Underneath, they had a, uh, you know, one of those disclaimers that adds extra context to it. And apparently, um, the it's some sort of Sasquatch trail. I could look it up if I could be bothered. Uh, <laughs> and basically, it's like a sponsored uh, sort of Sasquatch trail that's run by a company. And the owner of said company uh, sometimes comes out when the buses are going past dressed as Bigfoot. Right. So it has right. been debunked. Sorry, Rob. No, no, there's no sorry here. It's not the smoking gun that we were looking for. It's not, um, and I have to be honest, when I saw it, it, I I knew it was never going to be a hill I'd die on. um, Because uh, I I thought it very much looked terrible. um, And very much like a man in a suit. And I actually worried that this might have put the science on the topic of the Big Brown Machine back generations, actually. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was not great, but it's got everyone talking about it. And for a while, on the side of Twitter, not X, um, the word Bigfoot was trending. I mean, like, I, I, I saw that and I thought they must have found him at last. Expedition Bigfoot 
must have found it. Um, incidentally, with Ex- Expedition Bigfoot, um, it's going great guns on um, Discovery Plus uh, and on the Discovery Channel on Sky. Um, but one week ago, no, two weeks ago, sorry, um, they said the new episode is out and they replayed an old one from season three at the last minute. And I thought, this is cover up. This must be because the new episode was about to go out filled with so much incendiary revelations. Um, and then that same night, I just went on Discovery Plus and it was just like, yeah, we made an error on Sky. We just sent them the wrong one. <laughs> so... Under, underneath it said, we genuinely didn't think anybody would notice because in the latest episode, like in this one from season three, we didn't find him. But we got some <laughs> lovely foliage shots. <laughs> well, do you know what I did? I watched the entirety of the episode they used as a replacement. And by the end of it, I was like, this series is, is awful. I mean, they're just... They're just reusing footage and they're just <laughs> talking about the same stuff. I didn't realise I'd seen it 18 months ago. Um, <laughs> until, yeah, until the penny dropped. Um, yeah, so sadly, listeners and fans of Bigfoot Corner, um, we're still looking, but we are still encouraged and excited and ready for the next big revelation from the Bigfoot world. And that is Bigfoot Corner. Boop, boop, ba boop, 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 boop. Bigfoot Corner. Quite downbeat after all the erotica of last time out. Yeah, more sedate Bigfoot Corner. <laughs> Less Rudy Doody Bigfoot Corner, which is always a good thing, I find. Yes. <laughs> so, on to this week's movie. Um, and this week's movie, Core Blimey, um, is mine. Um, it was, yeah. Should we go for a logline? Oh, yes, please, Rob. Okay. <laughs> a corporate stooge hockey dad harrowingly watches his son get killed by Garrett Headland's band of merry thugs, thus setting off a monumentally violent and extremely tragic <laughs> chain of events. Shouldn't be laughing at this point. It's not real. It's not documentary. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on, go ahead. Sorry. A monumentally violent and tragic chain of events featuring one of the greatest buzz cuts since the 2022 Oscars. Of course, it's James Wan's 2007 Kevin Bacon vengeance vehicle death sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say that? Yeah, leave that in. Okay, guys. Brandon Hume, you've just won MVP. Number one, number one, Nick? Hey, honey. I just wanted to let you know that our son is going to Canada to play hockey. I love you, and we'll be home soon. Hey, where do you think you're going? I need something to drink, Dad. Okay, we'll quick in and out, because we got to get home. All right. Get down! You can do this. Number five. Put that animal in jail. I want this guy to go away for the rest of his life. I've got one eyewitness, you. We've just got your word. I'm dismissing this case. Mr. Darley, you are released from custody. You kidding me? Brother, dude, he's dead. 
I say who lives, I say who dies. I'm coming for the rest of your family. You just bought them a death sentence. I really don't care what happens to me. I just need them to be safe. How do I make it stop? You started a war. God help you. I need guns. You got three ground. Death sentence. James Wan. Um, James, this this is an interesting one for me. Um, this is the hardest film I think that we've ever tried to uh, to get on the podcast. I mean, I don't mean like that we all argued about ever having it on. It's just physically trying to get it. Yeah. It's tough going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sort of drives home the, um, the importance of physical media because when mm. we were planning to record this episode... You couldn't rent Death Sentence from any of the of the streamers that you would normally rent it from. So in order to do this, you actually have to sort of pick up a copy of it, mm. um, either from, you know, a charity shop or from CEX or one of these secondhand mm. places or where I did, which was on eBay. Um, mm. Which, you know, it's in this day and age, the fact that you can't access a film that was what released like, what, 15 years ago? just over and it's and it's directed by you know a proper filmmaker in james wan yeah. who's got aquaman 2 coming out later this year and is the king of horror films and kevin bacon who has been on our screens for the last decade as the ee man <laughs> here in the uk you know the idea that this is just like completely fallen through the cracks just sort of out underlines the um how wasteful the streaming model is and how many films can just fall by the wayside. So, yeah, if you want to watch Death Sentence, you will need to get a physical copy of it, which we've all uh, helped ourselves to, I believe. Yeah, this is the thing. If you type it in on Amazon, um, you know, to try and get it on Prime, you get immediately rejigged over to another film called Death Sentence. You don't go to the 2007 James Wan one, which makes it doubly hard to try and find. Um, the um, There's a great website called Just Watch where if I ever want to know where I can stream or view something, I'll type it in on that. It's not even featured on that. It's yeah, the first no, I've time just I've... tried it again now. <laughs> really? It's yeah. just, it's honestly, it's so forgotten and so difficult to find. Um, not on Sky, not on Netflix. It is, uh, and I got to a point like, I've never seen this with any... I mean, that like, all those Bigfoot movies, those terrible Bigfoot movies that I watch, all readily available. Like, all dead easy to find. Not this. No. Why is this? I've got no idea. It's a, for some reason, it's Death Sentence by James Wan starring Kevin Bacon. Is it blacklisted in some way? I've got no idea. I, 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 I should have really researched this more closely to see which which studio or production company actually put this out, because what it's most likely is, is like... 
maybe one of the companies that did the financing or owns the rights no longer exists, so there's nobody to purchase the rights from, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right. But you would think that this would be perfectly fine to be just shoved onto any sort of streaming platform. It's a fairly, you know, uh, slot A into slot B revenge It is drama. It is. You know, that... It's not demanding viewing, um, you know, we're not getting into the review of it as such, but you would expect this type of film to be available on a streaming service of, of some course. description. I mean, yeah. like, so you're not you're not going to, this is exactly the kind of movie, like, right, I've got, like, some time to kill and I want something that I don't really need a brain for, yeah. which <laughs> streaming services are absolutely perfect for. Exactly. You know, yeah. like, when you're scrolling through, like, yeah, let's give that a go kind of thing. Um, so it does feel like a missed trick. Um, but what what about your relationship with uh, with Death Sentence, James? I mean, did you ever seen it before? Uh, I have seen it before, not in theatres. Um, spoilers: nobody saw it in theatres. Uh, <laughs> but this this one feels like a blockbuster or love film rental from back in the day. However, mm. I must uh, I must put forward my main introduction to this film, which was through yourself, Rob. I remember you having a French version of an absolutely massive death sentence poster. (laughs) I did, Hanging in your room or your house at the time. Yes, I did, yeah. And it was like the titles were all in French, everything was in French on there, and... Yes, you were. It was your pride and joy on your wall. Can, can I guess? Was I single at the time? I probably. <laughs> <laughs> Had I ever kissed a girl at this point? <laughs> Debatable, I suppose. <laughs> but I was like, that is a very cool poster. To be fair, it does have a great. It's like a black and white poster, isn't it? Is, it? Isn't with it? A, with uh, bacon holding a what looks like a baseball bat with blood yeah. dripping off it but the blood is bright white isn't it so uh, yeah, yeah 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 and i was taken with the poster and that's probably what spurred me on to renting oh, it oh man i'm so because obviously like, honestly, I was like, that's a result for me having a french poster of a film that is no longer available anywhere <laughs> do you not have that poster anymore rob no <laughs> i'd love to say no it's it's over our marital bed right now, yeah. you know, next to the JCVD quad poster of our target. So, yeah, that was my introduction. Obviously, I knew who James Wan was because he directed Saw. I still haven't seen Dead Silence, his haunted puppet movie that he made in between these two films. Yeah, I've not seen that either. Um, but I knew that this was sort of a uh, a change of pace for him, moving away from from pure horror. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like at this point in time, like he, he, I think it seemed like his genre was just simply going to be if if you had a genre or a pigeonhole for James Wan would be visceral filmmaking, you know, yeah. like um, uh, propulsively uh, exciting and uh, extremely, uh, oh, what's the word? Like, yeah. Violent and visceral. I know I've used the word visceral yeah. already, but gory. but that kind of thing. Gory, splattery, yeah. yeah, splattery. Yeah, that's um, which so ironically I... he's completely moved away from. Yeah, now, crazily. I, I went back to it a little bit with Malignant, not to do any spoilers for that. Uh, I know you haven't yeah. seen it yet, boys. Yeah, no, a, I'd love to. Such see a it. tremendously it fun movie. Um, so no spoilers for that. He does get back. He does get his violence on again. In that one, but um, nice. but yeah, he sort of moved it. He did a Fast and Furious. He's done an Aquaman movie, and then the rest have been sort of like 
haunted house type things like the insidious films and the yeah and uh, the conjuring which are not gory yeah. films by any stretch of the imagination no but uh, he's definitely one for like shock factor is a great big part of his filmmaking yes absolutely um, yeah. uh, toolbox isn't it um yeah i, th- I think um for myself um, I obviously knew of Saw. I've never been a big... I, I went to the cinemas to see Saw. Now, I know that like a lot of stuff gets um, put in the Gorno category, yeah. um, which is where I would put <clears throat> Hostel. Yeah. I never put Saw in that category because I thought that like story-wise uh, and filmmaking-wise, I thought it was always a cut above. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, but that's just my personal take on it. Um, no, no, I agree. I think with that yeah. one, it was more indebted to something like Seven, but with more visceral and upsetting gore than, yes, that, than yeah. that particular film. Obviously not as good as Seven. But, but, uh, you, but, but, no, but you are right in that yeah. kind of like impossible choice stuff. Yeah. Seven was like, the, for me, that's the Mac Daddy of impossible choice. Uh, and, it, uh, and you know, like just pushing the envelope so, so far um, in storytelling uh, and what you put your characters through. But this was definitely, I mean, it was definitely had one foot in the horror yeah camp so. oh for sure yeah yeah i mean that's yeah. definitely a horror film i mean the, yeah, the yeah. new one's just out now which i i haven't been to see it because i gave up on that franchise a long time ago even mm. though we did do saw two on this on this podcast many many moons good. away that was good yeah uh the first couple are all right but this new one is saw x saw 10 ridiculous are they on to 10 yeah they've even done Goodness a spin-off me. with chris rock it's it's mental how many uh mm. How many oh, inter- yes. iterations of this uh, franchise has been? Yeah, but this new one apparently. Oh, Richard <laughs> brings back Tobin Bell, who spoilers dies in one of the later entries. What? Um, what? And takes place between Saw One and Saw Two, so it's sort of like a prequel reboot. What? <laughs> it's apparently not bad because it's more of a revenge movie than it is a. The, than it is him torturing like innocent people. <laughs> it's not James Wan again, is it? Though? No, no, it's brand new directors this time. James right, Wan right. has left Saw. Well, he, he, the only one he's directed is the first one. Oh, is it? Right. Yeah. I mean, how lovely is that to set something off Yeah. and then just wander off and probably get still some fabulous residuals from oh, it? Oh, unbelievable. Um, Every time they make a new one, him and Lei Wan All are just rubbing their hands together like, yeah. yeah do we have to Rolling do anything the... no just open no. the checks when they come <laughs> yeah take them down the post office post yeah. why would you take it yeah, sorry because it's nonsense. 1995 in our world <laughs> i was gonna say it's 1945 the war's still going on um no I, I, it's it's really interesting this um because I, I i'm a massive fan of the revenge uh genre um just in its simplicity as a vehicle for telling a story. Yeah. Because for me, there's nothing more potent than revenge. Um, and the length someone will go to, because everyone's got a line. Yeah. And where that line is, and where that line is found, I always find interesting in all the books and films uh, about revenge. Yeah. You know, what's the point where you go, no, I've gone too far, or where's too far, or anything like that. Uh, so seeing the guy who did Saw doing a revenge movie was always going to be very interesting to me. Um, as uh, parishioners of this podcast know, uh, I'm a massive Kevin Bacon fan. Um, so him doing a revenge movie with the guy who did Saw, 
hugely interesting. I love Death Wish as well with uh, Bronson, Charles Bronson. Never um, seen. Never oh, seen. I've heard the first one is very good, but then the sequels are pretty good. Yeah, don't don't go near. I mean, I, I uh, one watch and yeah, that's. I don't need to go near that again. But the first one is absolutely fascinating. Not least because Jeff Goldblum plays a uh, sort of like a horribly uh, dare I say a, a rapist hoodlum. <laughs> fair to say. I don't um, know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh well, uh, fill your jolly, jolly boots. There's a lot of chaos theory going on in that film. Um, so, uh, but, but, but it's it, it, in, in a sort of like purely propulsive filmmaking, uh, revenge cinema is great. I really, really like it. Um, so this was always going to be a must watch for me. Um, and yeah, I've had it on DVD. I've obviously had a large scale French poster in my <laughs> domicile to impress the ladies. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was, I was buzzing to watch it again because I've always very much liked it. Um, but I, I have no idea how it did, apart from assuming, because you just can't get it anywhere, that it largely sank without a trace. Would that be reflective in the budget and box office uh, scores? Yeah, so it didn't do well at the at the box office. So Death Sentence opened in just under two thousand theatres in the United States and grossed four point two million with an average of um two thousand three hundred and twenty two per theatre. I'm ranking at number eight on the box office on its first week uh, on its first week of release. The film ultimately earned nine and a half million domestically, so in the US and seven and a half million internationally for a total of just under sixteen, uh, just under seventeen million dollars worldwide, against a production budget of twenty million. So it's not even a real high budget film, no. and it's an interesting sort of point in James Wan's career because it's after this he makes the first Insidious film, which I think he makes for about a million dollars. So he really? sort of goes back to low budget horror because um, Dead Silence the haunted puppet movie that that didn't hit either um so you know he's on the verge of being put in director jail with two after breaking out with saw he's had yeah. two disapp- critical and disappoint uh critical and yeah. box office disappointments in a row so he goes back to insidious which again i believe is a blumhouse movie isn't it I it think. is yeah um, they do the blumhouse model on that they make it super cheap getting rose Byrne, patrick wilson yeah and then, you know, make it super cheap and it makes loads and loads of money at the box office yeah. and, and creates a brand new franchise and then he's back in again as the as the king of horror. That that is amazing that because I have to be honest, so if you're saying that um Insidious cost a twentieth of this. Yeah. That is just... Because they, they're like in terms of look comparatively they're very similar. Yes, exactly, yeah. It's I, just amazing what he managed to achieve with that million for Insidious. According to this, the budget on Insidious was 1.5 million. That's amazing. What a what an achievement, really. Yeah. I mean, obviously what they do is they get the actors to work on scale, don't they, and give them back end if it's, if it's a yeah. hit and he probably didn't take his fee and took a similar deal. Um but yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that you can, what you can get on the screen if you sort of strip away all the 
agents and producers fees and just focus yeah. on uh, if you've got the know-how to do it as well that's the that's the key which, I would I mean, say. which he evidently had that's absolutely amazing um so uh, w- another reason why um i like this film is that i always suspected that um fans the audience might actually like it a lot more than it was received uh, critically um and there is there is evidence that kind of supports that so if i'm going to take uh what usually is simon's role here in talking about the critical reception uh we've got 3.2 on letterboxd which is like that's arguably a higher one for us that yes um it's a higher 2.9 one it's surprising actually that is yeah um rotten tommies <laughs> Tomatoes has got it as twenty uh, percent with the critics, but sixty percent with the audience. You don't often get a forty percent swing. That is quite significant. I mean, yeah. Obviously, Rotten Tomatoes is not a great gauge for whether no. a film is good or not because a film could have a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes and it all be three star yeah. reviews across the board. So, you, an average movie is seen as one of the greatest of all time according to the Tomato Meter. Um, But yeah, it does seem like critics did take against this one. Uh, Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, uh, the uh, Metacritic Metascore is 36 with this, but an 80% user rating. Right, wow. So it definitely has its fans. Um, It also found a few critical uh, supporters. Variety gave it a 7 out of 10. Well-made, often intensely gripping genre piece. Ebes! Um, Roger Ebert uh, gave it 2.5 out of his customary four, uh, praising Bacon and Wan's, uh, Bacon's performance and Wan's efficient direction in the process. He also gave uh, big props to a great courtroom scene, which we'll discuss uh, coming up. Uh, but uh, the New York Times, uh, 40%, aside from a stunning three-minute tracking shot as the gang pursues Nick, uh, through a parking garage, that's Kevin Bacon's character, and Mr. Bacon's hauntingly pale, dark-eyed visage, Mr. Wan's film is a tedious, pondering time waster. Uh, San Francisco Chronicle, um, this wasn't Mick LaSalle, this was Stephen Wynn, gave it 25%, so I guess one out of four. Uh, almost everything about the movie lands with an emphatic, preordained thud. <laughs> Um, but I picked out a couple of other buttes from the letterboxed ether. Again, showing just how much this is loved, really. Uh, although we'll start with some negative ones. Uh, Dave Hanratty said, one star, more tribal tattoos here than in, in an MMA gym. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to save Bill's review for later on because I think it's really important, actually. But positive ones. <laughs> Ashley Lashy, 23, said only three weeks ago, uh, five stars, this movie is the most violent... Oh, this is all capitals, by the way. This movie is the most violent and traumatising movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Dot, 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 five stars. <laughs> Sorry. Oxgool. I, I actually don't know how to say it. Oxgool. I can't say it. <laughs> five stars simply says Cinema. <laughs> which is a great review and I'll finish with uh, Five Crows uh, gave it five stars this movie is awesome and it got my street blood boiling I felt like a bad mother 
And if those reviews don't mean the absolute world, then I don't know what will. Letterbox is truly the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it really is, man. Um, oh, on on the topic of like the the movie, and of course, like um, one's direction and stuff like that. Just before we get in, like overall, did you have a like a feeling um, or a takeaway from the look of the movie? I just thought that. I think all of his films look good, though. I really like yeah. him as a director. I think sometimes his his concepts don't quite land as as cleanly as they might. Or, but I, generally, I thought this was a really well shot movie. I thought the action was really well choreographed. Mm. Felt very brutal, which mm. is which is a good thing for this type of film. But also with the uh, with some elegance as well, and we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to the multi-story yeah. car park sequence. Oh yeah, um, as as noted by our uh, esteemed reviewers mentioned. Um, should we get into the film then? Absolutely. So the movie gets underway in that kind of like I, I felt like with the score and like we're in the same universe as uh, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie. To yes, some extent. absolutely. Yeah, it's got a lot in common with. Uh, well, it really does, doesn't with it? With that, uh, the only thing that it doesn't have in common with that film, and with, with a lot of revenge films, and this was this is something of a gripe of mine with the film, is that what usually in a revenge scenario, it's you messed with the wrong guy so the person who's who you've wronged has some sort of expertise which will help him in the in taking you down you know we have taken we have man on fire as you say the punisher uh frank castle is a is a cop mm. isn't he you're trained in some sort of combative way where you can uh uh where you can exact revenge on your on your enemies whereas with this one he's literally just like he's he's just a regular dude his knees, uh, yeah, yeah, he's just a regular nine to five working family man. He is, I mean, like, he is a corporate stooge, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, uh, this this would tie in. This is probably a good time to bring in this other review that I really caught my eye because so many times during this, especially the second half of the film, I was like, where did he get these skills? Um, and so Bill, lovely, succinct name, uh, on Letterboxd said, one star, it's really a movie about a man who gains super strength as more of his family is murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so accurate. <laughs> yes. But it's truth, like, isn't it? I mean, he goes from a pencil pusher to the Punisher, doesn't he, in about ten days? It, yeah. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, and that's like, that, so plot is not something we're going to have to concern ourselves a great deal with here, is it? I mean, no. like, we go, we start off with uh, um, uh, the picture of a family. Uh, Kevin Bacon's the dad, Kelly Preston is the uh, the mom, and uh, brilliant to see uh, the late, great Kelly Preston on screen here. Um, and I think she's great. Um, and the two kids, uh Brandon and oh gosh, Je- Luke, Brandon and Luke, um, or as Wikipedia puts him, Nick's younger and less charismatic son. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is so genuine. not on. It's 
genuinely. It's just a dig. It's got nothing to do with the plot. Lucas, Nick's younger and less charismatic son, suffers survivor guilt. Like, it's got nothing to do with the plot at all. It's just a jab. It's like that the actor, the kid actor, his jealous high school friends wrote that (laughs) bio on Wikipedia. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Yeah. uh, (laughs) So it's it's very obvious. uh, Thanks, Wikipedia. If I didn't need the signposting already, James Wan also had that covered. That... uh, there is a favourite son. There is, here. yeah. Um, and it's also it, it's quite hard to watch uh, because I felt very bad about yeah, it. You shouldn't. Uh, I mean, um, I've only got one, so it's easy for me to pick a favourite. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, would you like to share who your favourite child is? I <laughs> will not be doing that. I certainly won't be asking Wikipedia for them to do a breakdown of the characters of my children. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that. You know, his, uh, his firstborn is his pride and joy. <laughs> just sort of uh, a guy who hangs around the house and sort of gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and the more that they, they lay praise on this kid, the more I know something awful is going to happen. Oh, yeah, he's dead meat as soon as, the, as soon as you find out that he's potentially going to... Uh, that he's a bit of a sports star, so he plays ice hockey, which is good. You don't usually see that in... In yes. motion pictures, maybe because it costs more to film an ice hockey game than it does. Yes, yes. Uh, anything else, and it's more, you know, with the ice. And it's Is that where like, $19 million of the budget went? It's more logistically <laughs> challenging than filming on a basketball court, I suppose. Um, yeah. But yeah, it turns out he's a bit of a hockey star and he wants to go and play hockey professionally. He thinks he can do that. And his dad seems to think he can do that as well. And. His brother, he's like, look at me, look at me. And everyone's like, get out of the way, you. Go away. <laughs> we haven't got time for you. We're putting all our eggs in this basket. <laughs> <laughs> they literally broom him at every possible opportunity. Yes. Uh, and um, this, this lived with me for quite a long time. Uh, this scene when they're driving back from a hockey game and uh, Brandon announces he's going to college to play hockey. Yeah. Uh, Bacon, wearing a full varsity jacket with his son's name on it and all this kind of stuff, is not, um, you know, he, he's obviously very enthused, but at the same time he knows he's got to tell his wife about it. And he's bristling with this, um, I guess, pompous pride, I suppose. Yeah. And they stop at a, um, a petrol station on the wrong side of town. I mean, it may as well uh, just be called Murder Town, basically. <laughs> Yes. It's the most <laughs> seedy possible gas that he couldn't have been that short of gas. Was he was he does it flash on empty at some point? In I, which think case? It, I think it does, yeah. I mean I people who let their gas tanks run down that low anyway is just <laughs> asking for trouble. It is. <laughs> um and yeah, they he goes in to get some snacks, the boy I'm talking about here. What what struck me here was the randomness of the violence. Oh yeah. Um as in like there is no reason why Kevin Bacon and his son are the targets here. It was just the sheer callousness of the fact that um yeah, this gang uh, need to kill someone tonight. It's part of an initiation thing and uh the youngest member of this gang, the younger brother of um Billy Darley, I think it's Billy, yes. played by Garrett Headland. Yes. Um, uh, incidentally, I'm so hoping that at some point Garrett Headland is going to play 
some posh rich dude so I can call him Garrett Hedgefund. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but I'm still waiting. Because um, this is not the movie you can call him Garrett Hedgefund. No, no, no. He's a proper um, sewer rat in this one, isn't he? Yeah. And, and they cut they cut his throat. They cut Kevin Baconson's throat and Kevin Bacon's forced to watch his yeah. son horribly After sending the dead. shopkeeper to horrendous Robocop-style Squib City. Yes. Like <laughs> One thing that really strikes me is... You can tell that uh, one has... He's still very much got that uh, the sore energy going on, hasn't he? Like, the squibs are so explosive and gory and there's so much just general gru when anybody gets shot or, like, with the throat slicing. It's, it's both very impactful and kind of over the top at the same time. And it's Oof. sort of... It sort of works, but at the same time, you're like, he just wanted to load that poor shopkeeper day player with as many squibs <laughs> as he could get <laughs> on him and explode his stomach out. Yeah, it's heavy going, isn't it? Um, as a visual. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Basically, Kevin Bacon sees this happen from outside and he runs to try and help his son and one of the kids doesn't get away. Is that, is, is, am I remember this correctly? He gets left behind by the gang. That's right, yes. And then gets run over. <laughs> yes. Again, quite forcefully, but also quite comically. <laughs> yes, for no reason. No, There's no known reason why this needs to happen. I, well, I to progress the plot, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's always that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then there's a harrowing funeral scene. Uh, Kevin Bacon takes this uh, spectacularly badly, as I'm sure you would. Yeah. Um, and there's no punches pulled in terms of the family tragedy here. I mean, like it's not like this is not dolled up. Um, the family's in absolute turmoil about what has happened. Yeah. Um, although Kevin Bacon is still back at work eating sandwiches. Oh, that's the, the American day. way, Rob. You don't get time off. <laughs> People get have babies and are back in the office in the afternoon. It's absolutely horrendous. You, you don't get you don't get uh, compassionate leave at all. Well, no, no, it appears that way. Um, Aisha Taylor is the cop uh, in charge of uh, finding out who's responsible. Um, I mean, it's very obvious, isn't it? <laughs> There's no investigation needed. Yeah, absolutely, and even Kevin Bacon does, and they go for a line-up at the, at the police station, don't they? He goes, yep, it's him, I've got him already. Yep. <laughs> the one who's clearly been hit by a car in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> why, why didn't they just get like a line-up of other people who'd, hit, who'd been recently hit by cars? That yeah, would yeah. have been a fairer just line-up. Some guy's attraction. <laughs> <laughs> And then basically he goes, yeah, I fingered him. Uh, I fingered him. Not, not like that. Get your head out of the gun. <laughs> this isn't the Bigfoot erotica going yeah. on again. And basically he sits down with this DA who, if I've got one note for this guy on his line of work, he really needs to improve his bedside manner with the father of a murdered <laughs> teen. <laughs> He's just like, look, we're just going to do a deal with these guys because, you know, whatever. Like, it's better he gets some jail time rather than none whatsoever. <laughs> and, yeah, you're cool with that, right, Big B? Uh, uh, <laughs> forced to go along with it. Um, yeah. 
I just don't yeah. yeah, and it's at this point that uh, so Eves references a uh, in his review a really powerful courtroom scene. I assume this is the one he's talking about. I I imagine it is. Yeah, uh, the particular courtroom scene where you know Bacon knows it's the other guy, and he's been asked to provide you know his testimony to put the other guy away. Um, but there's been that back and forth beforehand with lawyer weasels who say, you know, hey, if you, if you, you know, the big fish here is not this guy, um, it's, you know, are they trying, it's like a deal cutting kind of thing, yeah, isn't exactly, it? Yeah. And it involves yeah. the guy who actually sadly killed his son, uh, it involves him uh, getting away with it, with things to an extent. Yeah, but Bacon has already got it in his head that he's going to take the law into his own hands, so he does not he basically recants his testimony in the courtroom and walks out, doesn't yes. he? And decides that he's going uh, to become an angel of revenge despite being, a, what, an accountant of some description? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he does. Do we ever find out? He's a risk assessor, does? I think. <laughs> he did such a bad job with his moves in this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he, was, if he had his risk assessment hat on, he'd go, well, you know, I need to stop this plan. Straight away, <laughs> uh, immediately. The, the tremendous amount of risk that I'm taking on here, not to mention collateral <laughs> risk, which is coming down well, the yeah. pike. Uh, 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 because it's monstrous what what goes on from here. So Absolutely. obviously, he then decides that there's. Some, I think it's in the courtroom. He decides that you know what, I, he's, if he's going to get away with it, I'm gonna, not going to let him do that because deep in my corporate stooge packaging, I uh, I'm a bad motherfucker. Stuff. Uh, just like the <laughs> <laughs> the review earlier, which was, seems so inspiring to that yeah. person, by the way. Um, so, yes, he decides that it, he's going to go out, find this uh, nasty little drug-dealing weasel man, yeah. and uh, bring him to justice. Um, doesn't take him very long to find him. Obviously, everyone is very much in easy reach in the uh, locale of Kevin Bacon in this film. We never actually find out the city, do we? I believe it's like it was shot in like LA and South Carolina, I think. Wow. Yeah, um, Columbia, South Carolina. But yeah, they never make any. Re- it could be it's any city USA, isn't it? Essentially. Yes, and I think that's probably a purposeful thing, isn't it? To say yeah. that this could this story could happen anywhere you want, you know that kind of thing, uh, or round you know round the corner from your place, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and yes, he goes to uh, a laundromat in the middle of the night uh, in the basement of some grubby building and doesn't disguise himself, knifes the dude from court, <laughs> um, pseudo-accidentally. Um, yeah. Although, you know, he went there with intent. Let's not doll this up. Um, and yeah, people recognise him. They know it was him. Um, and it's the little brother of uh, Garrett Headland's Billy. How did you find Garrett Headland in this one? Or Garrett Hedgefund? Let's just do it now. It's nev- I'm never going to get to get to crack that gag again. So I thought he was good. I thought he was pretty effective as yeah. a, as a um, cue ball <laughs> maniac who goes around just murdering people for a bit of a laugh um, and doesn't get on with his own father, played by John Goodman. <laughs> Like, oh, underrated, such an underrated. Two scenes. Uh, he was on scenes. set for about three hours. Like, right, let's not. He really out, was, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, big jam jar glasses, uh, doing a lot of heavy lifting, um, 
uh, yeah, uh, but the, I thought those scenes were amongst the best shot in the movie, actually. Absolutely. <laughs> in his yeah, I mean, this is a very well-made movie. I mean, the guy who shot yeah. it is um, goes by the name of John R. Leonetti, who is one's main cinematographer from Dead Silence until Insidious Chapter 2. He's also a director in his own right, having made a lot of um, action uh, action films. Uh, horror films. He directed the first Annabelle in the Conjuring spin-off universe, oh, and the masterpiece that is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So, oh wow, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, also, Ch- Charlie Clauser is uh, who scored the film. He scored all of the Saw franchise movies, and he was in Nine Inch Nails with Trent Reznor as well. So, no way, yeah. Everybody's so, a composer out of that group. It would say. They are, aren't they? Um, let's talk about the score for this, because um, I'm going to say I found it quite weird. It was a bit heavy-handed, I thought. Yeah. Uh, too many, like, ghostly calls. Oh, ah. Sorry, that was a song by Michael Jackson. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's got this weird uh, grungy sort of new metal thing sort of underneath it as well. It's not a great time yeah. for music in the two, in the mid two thousands, to be perfectly honest. I know, I do know what you mean, man. I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, it was um, heavy handed is a very good way of describing this, actually. Um, I, but I also still feel it's like kind of off kiltery, kind of weird. It doesn't. Like I'd love, I'd lo- I'd have loved to have like a straight orchestral score to this. Actually. Yeah, um, something that you could remember, because um, <laughs> I can't really remember any of it apart from like acoustic guitar noodlings and the occasional like soft rock, yeah, bits and stuff like that. Very two thousands. Very much so, yeah, very much so. Which was another feature of the reviews, actually. The, the reviews from present day all were saying, like, this is such a product of 2007. So, Bacon then uh, has obviously opened up a can of worms by his poor behaviour. Um, and I'm just going uh, back to that first murder. This is the one ooh, that yeah. I feel is the one that, not the first murder, the first murder committed by by Bacon. This is the one that feels the most realistic out of everything that then transpires because mm. it's messy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He sort of stabs the yeah. guy by accident. He messes it up yeah. like you would if you weren't yeah. a trained murderer. And then from then on, he just becomes like a... He like levels up with each, <laughs> each person he gets. Uh, yes. get more elaborate and more more bloodthirsty. This first one sort of reminded me... Have you seen, uh, We did Green Room earlier this year, didn't we? We did, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the director's previous film, uh, Blue Ruin, which is a very similar story of revenge um, in which a guy with no training decides to take out, um, you know, uh, people who have done him wrong in the past. And all the murders are sort of like that first one where it's really messy, he doesn't know what he's doing, it's very violent, it's very upsetting, the violence. And it, it, it's... It's kind of, I thought it might have stayed on that track a little bit more, the film, as it as it went along. But he was like, James Wan was like, no, I've got some ideas here. We're going to do some big stuff. Yeah, I, I, no, I do know what you mean uh, entirely. I, f- I find, um, so, so the topic of Garrett Hedlund, I find an interesting one here, actually. Uh, you know, he had a three-year break from acting prior, uh, sorry, immediately after this film. Uh, was there <laughs> I don't any know, reason you know, for that, or...? I don't know, but th- he came back with uh, 
the double the 2010 double whammy of Country Strong and Tron Legacy. Country Strong being what appears to be like a um, <laughs> rom com kind of thing. Um, his career is fascinating, absolutely yeah. fascinating. Um, he was tired of being uh, confused with Charlie Hunnam, Taylor Kitsch. They're all the same person. <laughs> They're all the same person. Garrett Kitchum. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think Headland is a really good presence actually, and I think in this film, like I I I think he elevates the material actually. Um, yeah. I do, because this could be extremely one-note, and he, while being quite one-note, he's a really sinister one-note. Yeah, he does the job, doesn't he? Like, he looks like yeah, he a does. heavy, and he's, you know, he's got the shaved head. He's not doing the pretty boy thing. <laughs> As that reviewer uh, remarked, he's covered in tribal tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> a year younger than me. Yeah. Is he? Oh. 40's coming, Garrett. Yeah. 40's coming, bud. <laughs> And I, I, so they go and try and track down Nick Hume, and this uh, results at this uh, brilliant car park sequence. Yes, that thing is legit brilliant. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the way they did it as well um, is on the DVD. There's uh, there's a behind the scenes of making the shot, basically, which is like, and they had like a, a cherry picker on the outside of the multi-story car park, which like the camera operators would hop on and off and that's how they're able to go up through the levels and as they go up they hand the camera to a different camera operator um, nice. yeah and it's just really well choreographed and it ends with in like a huge like something out of like a Tom Cruise action movie with bacon in the back of this car with one of the hoodlums as it's reversing off the top of the multi-story car park and he's like scrambling out as it goes off the ledge with the, with the hoodlum inside, and he's uh, <laughs> and he's just about it like saves himself by the skin of his teeth. What I did notice on this, uh, Kevin Bacon for all his talents, not a great on-screen runner, bit bandy-legged and all over the place. Yes, he's got a hint of the Steven Seagal's about. He does, him, yeah, yeah. Uh, when he runs, um, but uh, like this is uh, so his his movements, um, so the, his physical performance. I think this is part of that, actually. Like the, no, he's in the no hoper territory at this point, isn't he? You know, yeah, way yeah. out of his depth and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but he still manages to end up outwitting all these thugs and then chuck a dude off a high rise. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not totally without merit. <laughs> not a bad day at the office. Not really. Um, and yeah, once, it's only my uh, second day as a vigilante. I'm doing all right. <laughs> He's up for Vigilante of the Month at this rate. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, as well, I must say, that, that sequence is amazing. It's the real yeah, standout is, set piece. Even the foot chase before they get up on the... Um, That's very good as it's well. It's very well put together. You know, he's a good filmmaker, James Wan. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. No, nah, it, it was really, really good. It, it, things eventually catch up with him. I This could be one of my favourite scenes in the movie is when the dude goes to the office um, because he dropped his wallet during that... Um, uh, foot chase other car park stuff and this thug delivers his wallet and some other stuff to um, his place of work and Bacon now is totally terrified because he knows right these people know now know where I live yeah. runs home as quick as he can uh, and <laughs> asks the, for the police's help is this police force from present day Britain because man are they underfunded <laughs> sorry 
not to mention underskilled as well, like the two cops. (laughs) You'd think it was SEAL Team 6, like, breaking into... <laughs> into Bacon's house and not just some like street hoodlums. They're like special forces. They like kill the two cops who are on guard. Yeah. It's like under yeah. the cover of darkness. And then they're in and like. And then this sequence is real brutal as well and really well oh, shot. I think it's, it's like... brilliant. I think that the. Yeah. I, I, sorry, man. I've just, I've just jumped in, but I think the stunt work in this. Yeah. And the close quarters cinematography. You can tell what is happening. It's a close quarters action sequence. And you can tell what's happening. Yeah. It's a breath of fresh air. Bacon spears a dude down the stairs like... Oh! Like it was proper... Harness day! <laughs> <laughs> it was real attitude era stuff. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And then... And then they kill the rest of his family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In front of his eyes. Uh, yeah, I mean, the harrowing, the death of the family... Um, or is it? No. Um, yeah. I, 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 this is an execution, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. In a, yeah. In a family home, at a family barbecue. <laughs> uh, in the living room, yeah, nonetheless, in front of the family portrait. <laughs> Terrible. Got no, got no class, um, these murdering psychos. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sadly, uh, Kelly Preston um, buys the farm. Um, Kevin Bacon gets shot somewhere but somehow survives Yeah. and the son, Lucas the uh, Wikipedia's uh, less charismatic son yeah. also survives and Bacon bought it on himself essentially which <laughs> the cop, Aisha Taylor takes no small pleasure in telling him yeah. <laughs> like, as soon as he wakes up you did this, this is all yeah, on I mean, in you. fairness, Joey Tribbiani's just broken up with her so you know, she's in a bad place mentally at this <laughs> Weird cast. Very weird cast. Yeah. Uh, more sort of character metamorphoses take place in the, in the hospital because uh, Bacon um, is jittery and obviously devastated, standing over his son's bedside. Yeah. And then he stands up and it's a separate shot and suddenly we know that he's turned. He's turned into... He's just gone to the absolute dark side. I don't think Bacon is good in this, in this, in this role. You don't think he is? I think he is good in this role, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, no, I, 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 I do agree. I, I mean, I, I, obviously, I think he's a very, very dependable pair of hands when it comes to pretty much anything on film. Yeah. I think when we did Hollow Man, we, all, we discussed, though, that like all of his big successes have always been him in a supporting role, with the exception of yes, Footloose, absolutely. perhaps. Whereas here, again, it's another one where he's the lead and it does nothing at the box office. No, unfortunately you, you are him, yeah. totally right, man. Totally uh, right. And now it can't be found anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not just sank without traces. Someone's like, <laughs> you have to crack the back market. Black market. It's way get. more elusive than the hoodlums that he's seeking. <laughs> <laughs> It's more elusive than the Bigfoot from Bigfoot Corner earlier. He, he yeah, he, he embodies this very, very well. Um, and he commits. Every time he's on screen, he, he does, commits. Yeah. And that's all you can really... That's that's what you really want to see every time, I think, especially with something like Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And as um, I sort of hinted at earlier, I don't I don't totally buy the metamorphosis, particularly in the, in the third mm-hmm. act. I know what you mean. Uh, because he has no training because... to do with it. I mean... Uh, the, the, he goes to see mm. John Goodman, who turns out is uh, Garrett Hedlund's dad. Buys guns mm. from him because, you know, John Goodman, he wants to make an honest dollar. 
in this economy. <laughs> You're a cash buyer. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. But if you ask me where my son is, I'll blow your head off. We'll just blow his head off anyway. It's like it's terrible it's logic. I mean, like he's already paid you. Just it. shoot him anyway. Keep the money. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So he does, and then he goes home, and he's like, he goes from like novice to to doing tactical reloads and like the span of a. <laughs> he goes to his shed, basically. Yeah. He gets all his tools I... out. He's like <laughs> looking down the wrong end of the barrel of a shotgun. <laughs> Like, it's a miracle he doesn't blow his own head off. <laughs> I, so I, I, I love, I love stuff like this, I, yeah. and I know I do. I unapologetically do. When uh, stories where the ordinary person turns into something they're not, but you're absolutely right. This is an abrupt turn. Um, <laughs> it's like he's never seen, he's never handled a gun before, and by the yeah. by the uh, by the end of it, he's like. Surgical with a shotgun and doing tactical reloads as he's moving through. He's, he's, no, he's he's like literally with a with a uh, a shotgun, um, and not like a tactical shot shotgun, but like a farmer's shotgun. <laughs> he's taking off legs at thirty yards, and <laughs> it's just that's like a one in a million shot, isn't it? He. He comes out of the hospital, and this is one of um, the great breakdowns <laughs> that I've enjoyed, where he shaves his head particularly poorly. I love the little Jedi rat's tail he's got at the back, because um, it's a nice attention to detail, because whenever I used to shave my head, I always miss that bit too. Yeah. And you didn't have <laughs> vengeance on your mind either, so, you know, it's tricky. Well, no, I was unclouded by vengeance. <laughs> At that stage, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, and then yes, he obviously because everyone knows everyone's location in this, he just goes straight out to the old psychiatric hospital um, where Garrett Headland is hiding <laughs> with all his friends. Oh, sorry, Garrett Headland has waxed his dad by this point. Yeah, um, which was abrupt. Absolutely. Have you got a kettle boiling in the background there, Rob? You're making your cup of soup. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We'll just pause for a second, man. I'm so sorry about that. Three hours later. Uh, the house is on Stygian Street, uh, which I believe is a James Wan in-joke. Apparently, yeah. There's a few Easter eggs. Uh, you can see like the little jigsaw puppet and graffiti in the back of John Goodman's oh, workshop. and st- If you're looking for that sort of thing. I'm not, <laughs> because I'm not an adult virgin. <laughs> Well, no, I, I must admit, I didn't see that either. Um, <laughs> that's no reference to your previous quantifying remark. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love a good callback. I love a callback in movies and yeah, stuff like that. You know, what, yeah. what's the point in doing these things? Oh, yeah, you've got to put your own in-jokes in there, for sure. Of course yeah. you have. Like, it's got to be part, like, if it, like part of the same little universe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, totally down with that. Good, good for you, James. Jigsaw's Bob. torturing Carrie Elwes in the uh, in the factory next door. <laughs> Convenient factories. <laughs> yeah, actually, is this? A We've already piece? established that this film takes place in murder towns. <laughs> this makes suddenly makes total sense. This honestly, it might not even be a separate room, separate buildings. It might be just in a different part of the building. It was a big building. Yeah, <laughs> the floor underneath. Yeah. Honestly, if if like we get an email from James Wan saying, "Yeah, you're the first guys who got this," <laughs> uh, 
greatness. It's a shootout, essentially, that lasts yeah. about 20 minutes. It's fabulously gory. It's fabulously well staged. Uh, and uh, I, I think the lighting is brilliant. I think it's really well shot. I can tell what's going on everywhere. Again, I know I make this point so much about inaction. Can I tell what's going on? How is the geography of action? But I do think it's so important because there have been, certainly around this period, 2007, there were so many films that came out that just had really badly directed action. Yes. So... A badly cut together action. And I know what's going on here. Yeah, we're in the Jason Bourne of action at this point where the Bourne yeah. movies did it really well and that aesthetic worked really well for for those films in particular but then everybody tried to copy it and they took the wrong lessons from it which is what generally happens. <coughs> James Bond <laughs> Oh no I forgot about that <laughs> Yeah seeing seeing films where you know what is happening is just priceless I think actually. Um, again having just watched Indiana Jones Night like, does anyone stage action better than Steven Spielberg? Well, I just don't no, know Probably not. Um, you can see everything and it's so gloriously put together Um but uh, it's great. I mean, to go through every beat would be ridiculous, but um, he tracks down bloodily uh, Garrett Hedgefund and uh, in sort of like a churchy part of the hospital, maybe the chapel, I guess. Yeah. They all shoot each other to absolute pieces. And it's great because we know that Bacon's future is preordained here. We know what's going to happen. We know where, where he's headed. Yeah, this, this shootout is great and graphic and... Yeah. Very like, taxi driver. Um, yeah. If you notice some of the beats in there, Rob, the um, and they make reference to this on the uh, on the trivia page on Wiki, uh, on uh, IMDb. So like one of the hoodlums gets his fingers blown off, as in yeah. uh, what happens when Travis is going up the stairs and. Um, in Taxi Driver, obviously there's a shaved head. Bacon takes one in the neck as well. Um, so yeah, there's it's clear reference there, and it's sort of like what I do like about this film is it doesn't glorify vengeance at all. It's not like a revenge fantasy, you know, like something like even though I love those movies, it's it's you know different tones. Uh, John Wick is a revenge fantasy essentially. That's just about mm. Keanu Reeves looking cool as fuck as he shoots people in the face. Essentially, <laughs> over a dog. Let's not forget that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's more after that, but yeah, it just yeah, basically yeah. it's a, Sorry, it's an exercise. I've only in, seen the first one, as you can tell. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's an exercise in murdering people in the coolest way imaginable, and I very much <laughs> enjoy it. But this isn't essentially what this uh, film is going for. And then from there, he gets home and starts work, um, watching his home movies, believing that his entire family is dead. Police obviously show up at his house because he's just gone on a rampage downtown in murder town and everyone knows where everyone is at all times oh yeah absolutely yeah and it turns <laughs> out if if bacon's day wasn't getting any worse he finds out that the less charismatic younger son is still alive <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, what's that, so what i thought about this was like how blinking selfish you know, yeah. he was alive. He's, that, right now, he's He'd written him off. He's lost his entirely. whole family. <laughs> he lost his whole family now. Young lads traumatized for life now. Stigmatized for life. Yeah. Because um, his dad found the Clippers. Essentially, <laughs> I do like the fact that he got home, and it's a very it, 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 
it amplifies the tragedy of this family a lot. The fact that he dies sitting on the sofa watching the home movies of his family. Does he die, though? Because in the trivia well, it says there's an alternative ending where he succumbs to his injuries. But I thought he did die. Am I? Have I read that wrong? <laughs> I mean, I, I assumed he did by the sheer weight of his injuries, the shot in the neck, the fact that there was almost black blood coming out of his mouth on his own sofa. I assume that he was not long for this world. <laughs> but death sentence too, back in the habit, why not? <laughs> and the movie finishes. Absolutely, yeah. We got there. Yeah. Um, so let's have a, have a favourite bit, James. What's your best bit? I don't think you can look beyond the foot chase into the multi, uh, multi-storey car park and then the the wanna within the multi-storey car park culminating in bacon-born dr- driving a car off the, <laughs> off the top with a hooklum <laughs> inside. I mean, it is, as that one review said, it's cinema, basically, isn't it? <laughs> It is. No, I do agree, actually. There's so much of those moments, those little moments to enjoy, actually, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, I mean, on a completely separate note, I do find the gearing up montage once he's out of the hospital unintentionally funny just because he goes from inadvertently almost blowing his own head off to becoming John (laughs) Matrix in the space of 30 seconds. I, I will always love the fact that you said John Matrix and not The Matrix, by the way. John because Matrix from... Um, Commando, yeah. Commando, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's our vibe. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's our indestructible military hero. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but he does. He becomes John Matrix. Um, I think... Oh, my best bit would be it's really hard because there's so many little beats that I really do enjoy in this um, even down like stupid little beats like when I know I keep mentioning it but the sandwich in his office <laughs> he just the way he's just eating it with a hand that's got bandages on it <laughs> you know it's really like funny. the blandest sort of just ham no butter <laughs> I got I got the impression of lettuce I got the impression of at oh, least... Ma- oh, it was just lettuce. There was no, nothing else on it. <laughs> That's what a corporate stooges <laughs> Lettuce sandwich at lunch. <laughs> on white triangles. <laughs> oh. um, no, I, I, I think the, the whole end shootout was, was really brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. That, I, guy who's like, that, that guy who gets taken off at the knee is an incredible bit of prosthetic work. He really is, isn't it? Um, I, I, I like. No, actually, I'm gonna go with when he, the first person he uh, kills on that on that sort of spree is at another place, isn't it? It's a drug, yeah. a, 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 some druggie at another place, and he blasts his way in. And as he runs in to the room, he trips immediately <laughs> and stumbles about. And he's in a leather jacket with a shaven head, kind of, and looks so badass. Um, to an extent, and uh, he's Bambi on icing as soon Absolutely, as he goes yeah. in. So that's my favourite bit, because from a character standpoint, I enjoy that. So what, James, do you think, in terms of reconsidering this, for your reconsideration, death sentence, what do you think? So as I've sort of touched on as we've been going through, I do bump up against Bacon's transformation into an avenging angel. However, I do think this is a very solid revenger 
the action is handled well, there are some real standout sequences, and the violence, whilst gratuitous in parts, feels impactful, as it should when the film is attempting to take a more grounded and realistic approach to uh, the idea of vengeance and a regular guy carrying out these acts. I wouldn't say, it's not a classic of the genre by any stretch, but if you haven't seen it and happen to see it in a charity shop or CEX or see it on eBay for a couple of quid, I, I would say it's definitely worth picking up and giving a spin. A light recommend, I would say. Yeah, I like that. I, I really like that because like, this isn't one of those things that like, obviously I have a very big soft spot for it, but a light recommend I think is appropriate. Um, it's not going to reinvent the wheel. But if you didn't know that the guy who did Saw, <laughs> or one of the guys who did Saw, teamed up with Kevin Bacon for a, for a revenge thriller, you're probably going to go like, wow, I'd like to see that. Um, but this is just nowhere. This is nowhere. So I'm really glad you enjoyed it, James. For me, in terms of reconsidering this, I'm obviously going to say yes. I think, you know, just like I said, if you didn't know that this film existed... Um, surely that might, though, you know, the, the ingredients here might pique your interest, and it's well worth a watch. It really is. Um, I think that actually you hit the nail on the head earlier, James. I think the streamers are missing out big time here yeah. by not picking this up because this could actually be a sleeper hit. Sixteen years later, on the streamers, because it's got all those ingredients. It's got those, you know, the, the sort of like the hard hitting, gratuitous but throwaway qualities that um, sometimes sleeper hits have. So uh, what are you doing, Netflix? What are you doing, Prime? You know, Paramount. It must be a rights issue. It's got to be a rights issue. Yeah, I mean, so you, I think you're right now, James, because when, when it first... When, when I stuck the Blu-ray in uh, to watch it again, uh, I didn't recognise a single production company at the right, start. Right, yeah, that's probably... So it must it, be then. that. Yeah. It must be that. You must be right. Um, no, but certainly it's it's... It doesn't let up, it's propulsive, it goes at a, a serious lick. It is by the numbers, of course it is, but this is a revenge movie. You're going to get someone who's had something bad done to him and he wants to make that right. Um, and he just happens, so happens to make that right in quite a vulnerable, interesting way, courtesy of Kevin Bacon, courtesy of Mr James Wan. It's shot brilliantly by the dude who did... Annabelle. And Annabelle! <laughs> Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation, which I saw at the cinema with a friend. Missed the first five minutes of. <laughs> oh my god, no. Shot brilliantly by that guy. It's just, it's good. You could do so much worse with your time than this. Um, but I think it gets curio status for us because of just how hard it is to find. Absolutely, to the point where it's yeah. almost disavowed everywhere. It's almost like pretended that it's not a real thing. Uh, you know, like, uh, when have we ever had to say to our listeners, James, that you've got, you might actually have to go to CEX to get this? Yeah. It might be the only way you can get it. Exactly, yeah. Or eBay. eBay's probably the better shout for anybody. Yeah. Mine, my Blu-ray costs £3.50, which is the same as a prime rental anyway. So. Yeah. And also, if you happen to find a, a giant French version of the poster, <laughs> please let me know so I can relive the glory days. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, James, man. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. I had a lovely chat with you tonight about it. Yeah, it's, it's been, been great um, fun. Yeah, it's been lovely. And, and it's your pick next time, isn't it? It is. It is, yes. So, I was umming and ahhing between a couple of different choices. I was torn, but I've made my decision. So, uh, we lost the great uh, William Friedkin earlier this year. 
so I'd like to honour the great man by taking a look at one of his most critically reviled films. Um, so, <laughs> so, right, Rob, put your trousers back on. Uh, it's not 90s trash to piece Jade, but 2003's The Hunted, <laughs> starring Benicio Del Toro and craggy-faced killjoy Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Uh, no one sanctioned buffoonery. No, absolutely not. It's it's a straight <laughs> ninety minute uh, thriller in which people go after each other with wooden knives, and if that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. That <laughs> sounds. I mean, it it sounds blisteringly Friedkin as well. So yeah. um, sign me the hell up. Uh, also, it will be a first watch for me. That so absolutely buzzing. great. And uh, for listeners in the UK, you can stream the film for free via ITVX. So. If you nice. if you don't mind watching it with ads, you can watch it on the. Uh, I just so happen to draw the line. At, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will be filling my boots until I've watched it, obviously, and then needing to own this Friedkin joint, I will obviously do yeah. so. Yeah, so, yeah. So brilliant! I'm buzzing for that. So join us next time, then, folks, for uh, the hunted. Yes. Oh, Cheers, James. Um, big love. Big love, everyone at home. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Please give us a five-star review on your subscription service of choice. Hit us up on the Twitters, not X. Uh, and uh, I think we're on Instagram. Are we on Instagram? We never talk about we that. We are. We don't use it, though. Yeah, we don't use it. Uh, we've got an, uh, reconsiderpod at gmail.com if you want to throw us any thoughts. Uh, and stay... <laughs> it said stay frosty. <laughs> stay frosty, everyone. Uh, peace and love. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Isn't stay frosty a military term? Possibly. Like stay alert. Stay stay on your guard. Because you never know when Kevin Bacon might have a <laughs> monstrous meltdown nearby. So I kept seeing um, his character, uh, Sebastian Kane from um, Hollow Man. Kept slightly mixing the two up. Like a slight career change, possibly. Yeah, useless. <laughs> <laughs>